It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast on a Wednesday, March 14th is when we're recording this, which is the first day of the new league year. We're still seven hours away from the start of official NFL free agency as we talk, Evan. But, well, a lot of the deals are already done. So we're going to give you first reaction to where some of these guys are going so you need to know what you should be thinking when you're drafting some of these guys in best ball or the dynasty implications as well, your keeper leagues. He's Evan Silva from rotoworld.com. Obviously, the star of the show. I think he's the best fantasy football guy out there, period, which is why he's the co-host here on the Fantasy Feast podcast. I'm a former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, kind of a classic journeyman, loves fantasy football and loves these moves and the fantasy football implications. We, together, are presented by betonline.ag, the online gaming website of choice, for the Fantasy Feast podcast, they've got the best odds, the fastest payouts. Use code BIGFEAST. Obviously, NCAA tournament kicks off tomorrow, so go to betonline.ag. Use that code BIGFEAST to get the discount there uh, when you make a deposit to make some NCAA tourney bets. We'll talk a lot more about that, by the way, on the Even Money podcast. Check him out on Twitter, at Evan Silva. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And of course, all of the Ross Tucker media podcasts, make sure you're following that Twitter handle at RTF Podcast. Next meal. Next meal. By the way, I should note, uh, I said earlier, recording on a Wednesday, we started this on a Wednesday had some technical issues, so obviously finishing up on a Friday, which works out pretty well because that enables Evan to be able to chime in on some more moves. So let's get to it. All right, Evan, so we're going to go, obviously, with the moves that we've heard to this point. Of course, nothing's official, blah, 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 Frank Gore, blah, 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 Josh McDaniels, blah, blah, blah. So we know that. We'll see what happens after 4 p.m. Let's start with the quarterbacks and the implications, not only for those guys, but for the skill guys on their teams. Uh, The big one, Kirk Cousins to the Vikings. Yeah, and this is the one that we've been talking about for multiple months. Uh, This is, you know, he's not going to lead the NFL in pass attempts in Minnesota, but he's going to be highly efficient playing with Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, playing indoors in Minnesota. He's going to get a lot of short fields. He's going to throw a lot of touchdown passes. Uh, This offense has very exciting potential, and Kirk Cousins is the perfect quarterback to drop into this offense as a guy who has become a good decision maker and plays highly efficient. He's going to get the the ball to these playmakers, and that's really all you can ask. He's going to be a point guard, a distributor, and he's going to be a top-10 fantasy quarterback as he was perennially, annually in Washington. Uh, Drew Brees to the Saints. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot to talk about there. We kind of knew that was going to happen. 
Yeah, kind of status quo. You know, we're going to expect their offense to look similar to how they did uh, last season. Um, you know, we'll see if they are there, if they are able to add any weapons. They had they were rumored to have interest in um, bringing back Jimmy Graham to New Orleans since they've been rumored to be interested in Austin Safarian Jenkins. I think they could afford to add one more weapon, but Drew Brees last year, what he was, he was a, a high floor, low upside fantasy quarterback. Um, he played really well in that uh, game against the Panthers in the wild card round. He had super high efficiency in terms of uh, yards per attempt. Um, and he did throw the deep ball well. It's just he didn't have to throw as much because the Saints weren't all constantly playing from behind as they had in years past. But I'm expecting similar results in 2018. Case Keenum with the Broncos. Um, you know, not super excited about this one. I think that the Broncos could very easily still take a quarterback at the number five overall pick. Case Keenum, for me, is going to be in that 22 to 28 range, ranked among fantasy quarterbacks. Um, I think it's nice that he's reuniting with Gary Kubiak, who's now like a high-ranking executive in the Broncos' front office and uh, obviously was on the Texans staff, was the Texans' head coach when Gary when Case Keenum uh, came into the league as an undrafted rookie out of Houston, had some early su- success, wasn't ready to play, uh, and then had an excellent season last year under Pat Shermer with the Vikings. Uh, but I think he's a short-term fix, and I think that when we look back, we could look at Case Keenum very easily being a flash in the pan uh, as just having had that one good season where he was able to put it all together with a, an outstanding supporting cast. Um, you know, he, His supporting cast isn't going to be nearly as good in Denver. They haven't had a middle-of-the-field presence in quite some time. They had in Minnesota, Case Keenum had that with Adam Thielen, who for the first half of the year played a ton of slot receiver, obviously Kyle Rudolph. Denver hasn't had a middle-of-the-field pass-catching presence in years. Uh, so the, the Broncos need to figure that out. I I don't really think that this, this one is going to uh, be end up being successful for either side, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. How about Sam Bradford in Arizona? One year, $20 million. God bless that guy. Yeah, really. Uh, this guy has made a lot of money over the years. I mean, I think I saw yesterday he's made like $150 million and has 33 career wins or something like that as a quarterback. Um you know, I think that if he stays healthy, it's it's good news because he can – I mean, this is a guy who set the NFL completion rate record in 2016 with the Vikings, and that's how the Cardinals are going to have to play. Their offensive line is is poor, uh, and they haven't made any additions since the beginning of free agency. So they're going to have to lean on the back end of free agency and the draft. I mean, they could use help at literally every position – on the offensive line. So that that's a big concern for Sam Bradford, considering his durability issues. They're going to need to get the ball out quick, uh, I think. And if Sam, if Sam Bradford can give us 12, 13, 14 games, I think that that bodes well for Larry Fitzgerald. The rest of their weapons at this point, you know, Jermaine Gresham tore his Achilles in Week 17. So the tight end is right now Ricky Seals-Jones. I mean, Jermaine Gresham isn't going to be back from a week 17 ACL tear by week one for the next season. Ricky Seals-Jones, 
Larry Fitzgerald, J.J. Nelson, Chad Williams, the third-round pick out of Grambling last year, and, of course, David Johnson. I'm expecting a lot of dump-offs to D.J. and Larry Fitzgerald from Sam Bradford. The final real quarterback discussion. It's kind of interesting as we talk here, Evan, that Buffalo Bills still don't really have a quarterback. I guess Peterman, I mean, we expect them to trade in the top five, but I still thought they'd get a veteran, maybe A.J. McCarron. But the Jets brought in Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, and Isaiah Crowell at running back. Yeah, so their their offense looks a little bit different with Isaiah Crowell at the top. Uh, I think that Bilal Powell is going to remain involved. I think that you could argue that Bilal Powell is just as good as Isaiah Crowell. Uh, and so I think that they're going to form more of an even timeshare. We haven't gotten any monetary figures on how much money Isaiah Crowell uh, got. I know that he was a three-year deal. The money wasn't released uh, right away. I would like to know what the money is. Um, but, you know, sometimes that's a sign when they don't put the money out uh, when the agents or the or the team don't they don't put the money out that, that the player wound up getting not that much money, uh, so I would like to to know that. Uh, but I think that he will be the lead back, and Bilal Powell will be a, a near even committee back. And they liked Elijah McGuire a lot last year. Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, those guys are going to compete. We just don't know what to expect from Teddy Bridgewater. He's young. He had a devastating knee injury. Uh, before the 2016 season, Josh McCown was a top 15 quarterback in the NFL last year. Um, so, you know, we're going to find out. We're, we're not. No one really is going to know about Teddy Bridgewater until training camp. So, I'm not going to sit here and make stuff up about Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think that Josh McCown, right now as it stands, would be the favorite to start. Uh, and you know, I think that this offense they they need Robbie Anderson to stay out of trouble. This guy's gotten arrested a lot recently. I'm worried about a suspension. Um, I think that that could end up coming down uh, the pipe before the season starts. It's just, you know, even with a lot of the guys back and some talent added, it's still an offense that you don't feel real confident about. I think it really starts with offensive line, too. They have major problems on the offensive line. They don't even have a guy on their roster right now who has ever played a snap of center in the NFL. They have work to do. Let's get to some of the other skill position guys. How about running backs? Uh, a big one last night, Deion Lewis to the Titans. I got to tell you, I I love this, and I love pairing him with Derrick Henry. Very different skill sets. I mean, entirely different players. Yeah, they look totally different. I think that Deion Lewis is one of the best inside runners in the NFL. Uh, and so I think he's going to end up being hard for the Titans to take off the field. Um, I think that the, the Titans are going to um, play a little bit of spread offense under Matt LaFleur. Uh, and I think that the, the versatility that Deion Lewis brings to the game, you know, he's going to end up being on the field quite a bit more than Derrick Henry. Uh, so, and I think he's going to end up being their main back. I, I'm not saying that Derrick Henry isn't going to get usage. That you know, I don't think that Deion Lewis can hold up on 25 touches per game. But I think that they can use him in that 15 to 17, 18 touches per game, and he wind, winds up playing like 60% of the snaps. I mean, I think that you know Derrick Henry was very up and down last season in that starting stint. Uh, we don't know exactly how this offense is going to work. We can draw on. Uh, 
Matt LaFleur's offense with the Rams. What really was, you know, was able to jumpstart Todd Gurley's career? He went 24 games without reaching 100 rushing, rushing yards until last season when he hit that mark uh, several times. Was the fact that they could leave him in on all downs. And that's something that they can do with Deion Lewis and coaching staffs have not shown that they're willing to do with Derrick Henry. So I think that Deion Lewis ends up being the lead back. I think that Derrick Henry gets drafted before him in fantasy drafts uh, and Deion Lewis ends up as the better value. So uh, how about Jonathan Stewart to the Giants and what's your read on that to reunite with Gettleman? Just kind of strange. I mean, I don't know why they felt the need to pay Jonathan Stewart $7 million over two years. I think that his, his skill set uh, is replaceable at this point. Uh, I don't think that he brings much to the table, you know, better than like Orleans Darkwa would have been. And you could probably get Orleans Darkwa back for like one year and, and one million or, or one year and a million and a half. Uh, so I thought that it was a strange signing. Jonathan Stewart doesn't catch passes anymore. Uh, he's not been an efficient runner. And now he's going to run behind an offensive line that hasn't had any upgrades since free agency began. began. And this is another offensive line where you could literally take any of the guys and be like, you know, we, we can afford to upgrade at that, at this position. They let go of Weston Richburg. Justin Pugh is not back with them. Uh, and I, I don't think that there are any case, any indications that he will, he will be the only offensive line at this point, offensive lineman at this point that the giants, I think feel somewhat decently about is their center, Brett Jones, they just extended a second round tender they they have major issues up front how about this evan let's go out to san francisco the biggest running back contract yet out of all these guys crowell i don't know about maybe not maybe not bigger i think it is more than Deion lewis actually it is jarek mckinnon four years 30 million dollars 7.5 million per year Jarek McKinnon to the Niners. This is very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. I mean, dropping Jarek McKinnon into an offense with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan and an offense that has been investing in the offensive line with the signing of Weston Richburg gets back Joe Staley, Trent Brown, um, you know, re-signed Daniel Kilgore. I think that they can afford to add another piece at guard. Uh, but man, I mean, and they have field stretchers, Marquise Goodwin. You know, this is this is ideal for Jarek McKinnon. And uh, if you were taking Jarek McKinnon in early best balls, you know his 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 ADP is going to start to skyrocket. He was going like ninth to thirteenth round. He's going to start going um, probably like fifth to eighth round, if not a little bit sooner. Uh, right, uh, going forward, and then we'll see what they do in the draft. They could very well still add another back in the draft they have matt Breida uh back who he played a lot of snaps for them last year went through periods where he was getting double digit touches per game but man this is an awesome development for jarek mckinnon uh and i'm really really excited about him in san francisco in what is going to be has a chance to be a takeoff as an offense the san francisco 49ers the other running back move evan Carlos Hyde, the former Niner running back, he's going to Cleveland 
three years, $15 million. Hyde is in Cleveland. Yeah, this is a real, another really, really exciting signing. Um, I actually did a, a Browns podcast with uh, so, some guys the other night, and we t- two of the guys that we talked about um, as being potential Browns targets were Chris Hubbard and uh, Carlos Hyde. Uh, and this is going to take them out of the mix in all likelihood for Saquon Barkley. I don't think that they should have taken Saquon Barkley at one or four uh, anyway. Uh, I think that what they need to do is they need to trade or they need to take Sam Darnold at one and trade down from the number four pick. Um, so this definitely has draft implications. Uh, but Carlos Hyde, we're going to drop him into an offense that last year finished top 14 in the NFL and Football Outsiders run blocking metrics added uh, a dual threat quarterback in Tyrod Taylor <clears throat> only got four or five games out of Josh Gordon, the field structure last year. This is a very exciting uh, landing spot because this running offense has major, major potential. And look, I know that it's the Browns and no one has respect for them, uh, but they were a top half of the league run blocking unit last year, despite uh, Joe Thomas missing nine games and uh, we have seen the ability of dual-threat quarterbacks historically to spike the efficiency of their rushing offenses, whether it be Mike Vick and Warwick Dunn, whether it be Vince Young and Chris uh, Johnson, whether it be Tyrod Taylor himself uh, in uh, Buffalo with you know not just Shady McCoy, who's been good with every quarterback he's played with, but with Carlos Williams and Mike Gillisley. I mean, Tyrod Taylor got Mike Gillisley paid. So this has has a, the formula, if the Browns do this right, to be a very explosive running game. And Carlos Hyde at the center of that, that that's really exciting to me. Uh, and, I, and he's been a guy that I've been getting a lot of in the fourth and fifth rounds of uh, early best ball drafts. And I, I feel very good about that landing spot. Well, and speaking of the Browns, and you already mentioned Tyrod Taylor, what are your thoughts on Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry to the Browns and, and their fantasy implications? It's a bad landing spot for Jarvis Landry from in a fantasy football sense. You go back and look at Tyrod Taylor. We, he's been a starter for three years in the NFL. The most receptions in a season that a pass catcher has ever caught from Tyrod Taylor was 60 by Sammy Watkins in 2015, that year that Sammy Watkins stayed healthy. Second most, LaShawn McCoy last year with 59, uh, and Charles Clay third most uh, with 58 in 2016. I mean, when you have Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback, you're going to use him, uh, you know, you're, you're going to try to amplify his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. You're going to run the football. This is not going to be a high-volume passing offense. Uh, They've got a pretty good front seven on defense. They've spent some money uh, and uh, made some picks to solidify their secondary. Their defense should be good. I mean, I I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think that this Browns team should win seven to nine games. Mike Clay actually has him as a top-12 roster in the NFL right now. Uh, I don't think that Jarvis Landry is going to get anywhere close to the 100 catches that he's had in two of the last three years in Miami. What about the Packers? Uh, There's a lot of implications there. They signed Jimmy Graham, and they cut Jordy Nelson, who landed with the Oakland Raiders. We'll get to that momentarily, but for right now, just 
your thoughts on Graham in Green Bay and the receivers now that Jordy Nelson's out. Yeah, big touchdown upside for Jimmy Graham, uh, and he's been targeted heavily in the red zone, and I expect that to continue in Green Bay. The Packers, as you mentioned, cut Jordy Nelson. Uh, Devontae Adams returns as the clear-cut number one. To me, he's a third-round fantasy pick. Uh, Randall Cobb, you know, I think that he's like an eighth to tenth rounder. I, I still, you know, he hasn't played well. It's been a while since Randall Cobb was like a plus contributor. Um, he is still young, and I think that that's why they wound up keeping him over Jordy Nelson. Randall Cobb, only 27, 28 years old. Right now, the favor for third receiver duties is Geronimo Allison has experience uh, filling in at slot receiver, filling in uh, on the outside. He's He's got versatility, and right now he would be penciled in as the third receiver. That gives him uh, some very, very late-round uh, value. Uh, Trevor Davis comes back as well. D'Angelo Yancey, guys that the Packers have used draft picks on. Ty Montgomery uh, may get a longer look at wide receiver this year. I think the Packers are very pleased with what they – got from Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones in the backfield. Uh, But I think that Jimmy Graham is going to be a great bet to score touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers, and Geronimo Allison is a late-round sleeper. What about the Raiders? We mentioned Jordy Nelson's there. They cut Michael Crabtree, signed Jordy Nelson, signed another fullback. I don't even remember the dude's name. And Doug Martin, Dougie Fresh is in Oakland. And Jordy Nelson, I tweeted this, Evan, at Ross Tucker NFL, but Jordy Nelson in a Raiders uniform, that wins, in my mind, for the weirdest visual so far for next year's. I, I just It's weird to picture Jordy Nelson in a Raiders uniform. But your thoughts for Jordy with Derek Carr and as well as the other moves the Raiders made? The Raiders are not really making moves on offense to make their offense more explosive. Signing Jordy Nelson just to just one-for-one one replace Michael Crabtree. I mean, you're getting older. Mm-hmm at that number two receiver position. And Doug Martin, I mean, he hasn't been good in multiple years. So I don't really know what they're doing. That That's concerning to me that a team is adding old guys, getting slower, getting less productive, getting less efficient. I mean, I'm not excited about Jordy Nelson. You know, I, I think that he can score touchdowns for sure. But – I'm not really excited about his up, his yardage upside on a different team. I wanted him to stay with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay because so much of his production has resulted from improvisation with Aaron Rodgers. Doug Martin really have no interest in him. Uh, I don't. You know, we we just have to kind of see how the backfield shakes out. They haven't officially moved on from Marshawn Lynch yet, but that seems like it's coming. How about Tyler Eifert back with the Bengals on a one-year deal? Yeah, that's. I think that it's one of the best landing spots he could have had uh, because he's the clear-cut number two option in the passing game behind A.J. Green. We know what Tyler Eifert's problem is at this point. Instead, he can't stay healthy. He's missed 63% of the Bengals' games over the last four years. So he could have pretty much gone anywhere. Um, and the, the story would have been the same. He's just got to stay healthy, but I think this is a particularly good landing spot because 
he is that clear number two option in the passing game. And then speaking of the Bengals, a former Bengal, Rex Burkhead, he's staying. So Deion Lewis is gone. We talked about that. But Rex Burkhead staying in New England. Yeah, and they made a, a, de- a decent commitment to Rex Burkhead, about $10, year, $10 million over three years. Love that re-signing for Rex Burkhead's fantasy value. I think he's going to be a confident middle-round pick all offseason. Uh, right now, he's uh, he's at the top of the depth chart. I mean, when he was healthy last year, he played ahead of James White. Uh, and then the Patriots have Brandon Bolden. Um, and they don't, you know, they, they like you said, they lost Deion Lewis. Uh, and then Mike Gillisley, I don't know for sure if he's going to be back. I mean, he doesn't have any offseason or workout bonuses. He could still be released. Uh, and the, the Patriots showed no. Uh, propensity for for playing him or sticking with him through any kind of struggles last year. Rex Burkhead right now on paper uh, is the Patriots feature back. He has a lot of value in best ball. He has big touchdown upside Had eight touchdowns in 10 games with the Patriots last year. Let's get to Chicago. There's a lot to talk about with the Bears. They went crazy on the first day of free agency. Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, and Taylor Gabriel, there's a lot to unpack there with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and Trey Burton, too. Uh, so they're really loading up on offense. We, we've talked about how Matt Nagy, uh, obviously he was the old Chiefs offensive coordinator. They played a lot of spread in KC, and their offensive coordinator is Mark Helfrich from Oregon. So, I mean, they're going to spread this offense out. I think Mitchell Trubisky played in the spread at North Carolina. They need weapons, and they need guys that they can use Trey Burton as a slot tight end. You know, he is a slot receiver. Allen Robinson will play outside. Taylor Gabriel can do both. He's mostly, I know he's small, so people think he's a slot receiver, and I see him referred to as a slot receiver at times. Uh, but he, he's an outside receiver primarily, or at least he has been in his career. And then Cameron Meredith, uh, who was tendered by them as a restricted free agent, he was primarily a slot receiver uh, during his breakout 2016 season. So they, they're starting to, to form some decent weapon. They've got Adam Shaheen, too, last year's second-round pick. They've got a pretty good uh, base of weapons. I really like Mitchell Trubisky right now as a super late-round best ball pick. He's got athleticism as well. His pass catcher core has been upgraded immensely. They've got some real athleticism out on the field now. How about, speaking of athleticism, how about the contract that the Chiefs gave Sammy Watkins, man? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, some of these guys, it's remarkable. I don't know if it's just the potential or how high they got drafted, but wow. Chiefs went all in for Sammy Watkins despite the injury history he has with his with his feet. Yeah, they were super aggressive. They also paid Anthony Hitchens a five year forty five million dollar deal, nine million a year for like a two down linebacker, uh, inside linebacker. So they were very very aggressive. I mean, it was like they they targeted two guys early and they were not going to lose out on those two guys. This offense, though, 
it looks like it's going to be fun on paper. Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, Kareem Hunt at running back, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins. I mean, that's the, that's the fastest one-two punch at wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, and then Travis Kelsey, of course, at tight end. And I think that when you look at the, the defense right now for the Chiefs, it looks real, real bad. It, it wasn't good. It's gotten progressively worse over the last three or four years. It wasn't good this past year, and it looks even worse now. Uh, so this looks like a, a team throwing, ba- throwing Patrick Mahomes back into the Big 12. This looks like a team that's going to be playing in a lot of like higher-scoring games, uh, I think. So I, I, you know, Patrick. I think that Sammy Watkins, from a, a fantasy standpoint, he's going to be he's going to be pretty up and down. You know, I think he's going to be pretty inconsistent. Uh, but I'm excited about Patrick Mahomes as a late round pick with upside. Um, the thing is that I think that his ADP may get a, a little aggressive because people are just going to be really excited about this offense. I think, and for good reason. Do you think people should be excited about the Jags offense, Evan? They retain Marquise Lee, evidently gave Dante Moncrief $10 million for one year. That, that might be the one that takes the cake for me. That, that and the Bradford $20 million. That's just remarkable. They did bring <laughs> in a couple of tight ends, Austin Safarian Jenkins and Niles yeah. Paul, as the Jaguars just keep, keep stockpiling players. Yeah, the issue is that we're, it's going to be hard to sort out targets. You know, where are the targets going to go? Uh, they they are very deep on their depth chart at this point. I mean, you've got D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee, Dante Moncrief, Alan Hearns has not been cut yet. Uh, so, and then Austin Severian Jenkins and Niles Paul. So, I actually kind of like Bortles. You know, I like Bortles this year as a later round fantasy pick because he showed they, the Jaguars showed that they were willing to embrace him as a runner, uh, especially down the stretch. It was actually after their bye we started talking about it, and they ran him a lot in the playoffs. Now they may not run him as much, you know, just to try to keep him healthy uh, to begin next season. But I think that he overall they they kind of like learn more about him as the season progressed. And I think that they are going to run him more in 2018 than they did in 2017. Um, And uh, I mean, he was the number one fantasy quarterback from weeks 12 through 16 last year. So he showed the ability to score in that offense under Nathan Hackett uh, or Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, And there's a bunch of weapons there now. And I think the best way to just kind of get access to them is to just use uh, late-round picks on Blake Bortles. What about uh, Washington? You know, they made it official with Alex Smith, and then they bring in Paul Richardson. Is there one wide receiver acquisition so far? Yep. So now they've got Jamison Crowder in the slot, Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson outside. Really, really like Paul Richardson as a player. I, you know, the, the fit I think could have been, I was hoping for something a little bit better uh, because Alex Smith is not a receiver that has targeted, um, is not a quarterback that has targeted players downfield, uh, certainly not nearly as much as Russell Wilson. Uh, so he's, he's, it's an immense quarterback change going from the aggressiveness of Russell Wilson 
uh, to Alex Smith. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have like a big target projection on Paul Richardson right now, and that's an issue. I do think that he makes sense as a late round best ball pick because of his big playability. He's not the biggest receiver in the world, but he's an excellent contested catch receiver, uh, and he's always been a guy who could, who could really, really run coming out of Colorado. How about the Dolphins? Uh, they've been active, man. I mean, these Florida teams, Jags we mentioned. How about the Dolphins? Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, the two receivers they've added after moving on from Jarvis Landry. Yeah, so they doubled down on slot receivers. You know, uh, Albert Wilson, three years, $24 million. Danny Amendola, two years, $6 million. Um, you know, it's I don't I don't really know what they're doing. You, you know, they they could have kept Indomitian Sue, but instead they wanted to sign two slot receivers. Uh, it, it just seems kind of strange to me. Uh, but I think that you know I don't I don't have like big hopes for these guys in fantasy. I was hoping that Kenny Stills would get more slot work this year, um, get him some some you know an easier way to get him the football on higher percentage routes. But the fact that they doubled down on slot receivers suggests that Kenny Stills' time in the slot is actually going to go down in 2018. I think that at this point, he's the only receiver that I like uh, in fantasy on the Dolphins. Uh, you, you look at where Devontae Parker's going. He goes a little bit too early for my taste in drafts. Um, you know, Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola are guys that they might end up canceling each other out if they're, like, sharing time in the slot, uh, and then Kenny Stills goes like 13th, 14th round in drafts. And I, I'm willing to take him in the 13th or 14th round. Don't want Devontae Parker in the ninth, you know, and don't really want any part of Albert Wilson or Danny Amendola. Let's talk Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it's pretty interesting kind of unfolding as we record this Friday morning. John Brown is definitely signed the former Arizona Cardinals receiver, and we thought they signed Ryan Grant from the Redskins, but he failed his physical. It's interesting because, you know, they had we had heard that they had agreed to terms days ago for Ryan Grant, yet I guess he didn't take his physical until yesterday and failed his physical, never missed a game for the Redskins. I tweeted about this. You know, I, I don't know. I have a sneaky suspicion that a team sort of intentionally failed me on my physical one time, Evan, and that's a, a long story for another day. Um, and so I guess I wonder sometimes about the timing of these. I mean, if, if Crabtree wasn't available now, um, I wouldn't feel that way, but it just, the timing of everything unfolded um, is interesting. I, I don't think the Ravens would do that, but, you never know. Yeah, this guy's never missed a game in his career. All of a sudden, he has some sort of injury that's going to cause him to fail a physical. It seems kind of shady, honestly. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, th this isn't an ethics podcast. Uh, but Ryan Grant, he's back on the free agent market. I don't think he's going to get much interest. I don't know. That deal was crazy to begin with. I do think that this could be a very good landing spot for Joe, for uh, Michael Crabtree with the potential to suck up targets 
uh, if he lands there as Joe Flacco's number one receiver. I think that Crabtree's got something left in the tank. You know, I, I think that he played pretty well um, <clears throat> when everyone was healthy last year, but his quarterback got hurt. He was banged up for a while. Uh, I think that he could step right in and be the Ravens' number one receiver, and that would actually be a good landing spot for him. Yeah, I, I'll be curious. I, I think it would as well, and I think that they probably realize. I was a little surprised that Ryan Grant got that much money. I mean, he had a solid year for the Redskins, but that was a lot of dough. He now becomes available to somebody. Um, how about A.J. McCarron with the Bills, the final kind of – quarterback musical chair Evan uh yeah I mean I think that the Bills are going to trade up for a quarterback in the draft I think they have put themselves in a position where they have like no leverage and they absolutely have to trade up to get a quarterback um and that's you know everything that they've done is like aimed at that so they're going to end up paying a bounty uh to get into those top five picks I believe uh, and that quarterback is going to end up starting uh, in week one if he shows any promise. A.J. McCarron, you know, the NFL has shown us repeatedly what it thinks of A.J. McCarron. He was a fifth-round pick as a national championship winning quarterback out of Alabama. Uh, and, you know, he had very, very little market uh, in free agency. He wound up taking two years, $10 million. Same deal as Chase Daniel, uh, the clear-cut backup for the bears. So, uh, you know, he's not an NFL starter. I mean, maybe he'll make starts, uh, but you know, he's, he's not, he's not really in the fantasy mix. I mean, I think that if this team goes and gets, you know, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, that's that guy is going to be starting like within the first month of the season, kind of like how we saw with Mitchell Trubisky and Mike Glennon last year. What about CJ Fedorowicz retiring in Houston? Is this, uh, of note in your mind? Yeah, I think that it is. I mean, you, you go back and look at how productive this offense was with Deshaun Watson at quarterback from weeks two through eight last year, and it makes these guys relevant. You know, <clears throat> Lamar Miller hasn't, you know, he's been a disappointment in Houston, but the fact that he's still on the team and he's playing in this offense that was scoring like 35 a game with Deshaun Watson last year when he was healthy, that really raises the, the int intrigue level of Lamar Miller, who uh, I've been doing a bunch of drafts. He's going round seven through nine. Uh, and he was excellent when Deshaun Watson was in the lineup uh, last year. The, the tight ends to look at now are Ryan Griffin and Steven Anderson with the Texans. Steven Anderson is a really athletic guy, kind of like a wide receiver. Um, and I think that he will be the name to monitor if the Texans are unable to uh, make any upgrades at tight end. I think that Steven Anderson could wind up being like a late round, maybe DFS sleeper during the 2018 season. Let's get to the Seahawks not tendering either Thomas Rawls or Mike Davis. Evidently, Thomas Rawls is in Kansas City as we record this right now. Uh, visiting with the Chiefs. So um, Seahawks not tendering Rawls and Davis. Just kind of like cleans out their depth chart um, and narrows it down. Uh, so right now I would have Chris Carson atop the depth chart. He won the starting job before he broke his leg 
early last season. Pete Carroll talked about how he might be able to return, but he never did. Um, maybe if they had made the playoffs, he might have been able to. But I think that was probably a good sign for his recovery. Number two is C.J. Proceis, who has just been a walking injury ever since he entered uh, the NFL out of Notre Dame. Really talented guy. When he's when he's had opportunities to play, he's been a game breaker. Um, maybe the the you know the injury bug will um, will leave him alone this year. I don't know. You know, maybe he'll get a little bit better luck. Uh, he is a, uh, that is a name to keep in mind. And then number three would be J.D. McKissick passing down back. They never really showed um, a, a commitment to him as a big part on offense last year. They were using Mike Davis over him. So that doesn't really bode well for J.D. McKissick. But right now it's Chris Carson, C.J. Procise, J.D. McKissick. What about any of these moves of like the linemen, whether it's Solder with the Giants or Cordy Glenn with the Bengals, Chris Hubbard to Cleveland, Andrew Norwell with the Jags? Any of these moves with the linemen tell you anything about what these teams are thinking or give any upgrades to certain skill guys on those rosters? I think it's real clear what the Jags are trying to do. Uh, and they are going to continue to try to be the run-heaviest team in the NFL, signing Andrew Norwell, who's a big mauling guard, uh, and adding him to an offensive line that already had Cam Robinson, a really thick, strong left tackle. Uh, Jeremy Parnell, his strength has always been in the running game. Uh, AJ Cannon and Brandon Linder. I mean, they've got you know they've got a mauling front five. Uh, and they got a lot more talented. That that left guard position with Patrick Omame, who got signed by the the desperate Giants, uh, but he was the biggest liability on that Jaguars offensive line, and they upgraded on him with like an all-pro caliber uh, blocker. So I think that definitely bones well for Leonard Fournette. And I wanted to mention that Corey Grant got a second-round tender in restricted free agency, that could be a sign that the Jaguars are going to finally uh, make him more a, a part of their offense. You remember him in the playoffs, uh, ripped off some big plays against the Patriots. Every time he touched it, um, he was ripping big plays, and he, he's you know he's dominated in the preseason before. Uh, he had a Week 17 game uh, where the Jaguars gave him a bunch of carries, and he was outstanding. Uh, so he is a guy to keep in mind. I would definitely try to own him in dynasty leagues. You remember Leonard Fournette has these recurring foot injuries that have been bothering him for the last two football seasons. Evan, that was fantastic as always. That was, dare I say, incredible. You know what else is incredible? Credible, as in credible.com. Look, Everybody now that I know pretty much, younger than me especially, even people my age, still have college loans, still have student loans because college is crazy expensive now. That's why Credible is genius, and I'm mad I didn't come up with this myself, because if you just go to Credible.com slash Feast, answer quick questions, right away you'll get real rates, not some range of rates, from multiple lenders to see if it makes sense to refinance your student loans. Most 
The average user who refinances through Credible.com saves almost $19,000 over the life of their loan. Who couldn't use $19,000? Answer, nobody. Everybody could use $19,000. It's like Kayak for student loans. It's like SeatGeek for student loans. Do not wait. If you have a student loan, check it out. Go to Credible.com slash Feast. Click Find My Rate to see if you could save by refinancing. That's Credible.com slash Feast. Credible, C-R-E-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Feast. Credible.com slash Feast. That'll do it, by the way, for a beastly edition of the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Obviously, we'll get into a lot more of the moves as they come down over the next week or so. Next week, Evan, check him out again on Twitter at Evan Silva. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And of course, we love the iTunes rankings and comments. And if you ever have a specific question for Evan, especially now as this free agent news comes down or whatever, just take advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com and forward me the email. Ross at RossTucker.com with your question for Evan. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, Bri, I got some useful tips for your car that you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network, and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid, so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready... To buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states.